Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. I'm here in our online studio with my friend Jordan Francis. Jordan is the founder of Frame Youth, which you're going to hear a little bit about in just a few minutes. He's also a Christian therapist in Phoenix. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, glad we can kind of like meet virtually and chat a little bit before. So yeah, man, excited to just be a part of what you're doing. It's really cool. Yeah. No, we've been talking for the last few months and really excited about what the Lord's doing with with Reframe and um, excited about uh, just how can youth pastor theologian come alongside and uh, we can partner together and help each other uh, serve youth workers well. And so um, excited to introduce you and, and Reframe to our listeners. Um, I think it's always fun to just get to know our, our guests a little bit. And so, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about you as a teenager? Um, what was your dream job when Jordan Francis was a youth? Yeah, man. Well, I'm originally from Birmingham, England, so you can pretty much guess what my dream job was, right? I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Um, I mean, that's what everybody wanted to be growing up, right? You mean football, it's, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the a real footballer. football. Yeah. yeah, that thing. Yeah, not... Not yeah. that hand hand egg yep. stuff that you guys play. <laughs> but um yeah, I wanted to be a professional football player and uh loved the game, played since I was a little kid. Um I had some pretty cool opportunities, got pretty close, um, but no cigar, like was in like the youth academy system for professional clubs and um honestly didn't give the attention and focus I needed to as a young man, was kind of too busy messing around and running around on the streets with friends when I should have been like focusing my effort and attention on that goal and ultimately like there were, were moments too where like things happened and then they just didn't materialize and what I ultimately yeah. realized is God's providence right like he had something else in store and you know sometimes I'm like dang God you're gonna let me be a professional athlete but other times I'm like I'm grateful that I'm doing what I'm doing so yeah so yeah well I know selfishly I'm thankful that you're not a professional athlete and that you're doing what you're doing um, because you're making a real impact uh, in youth uh, for the sake of, of the kingdom. Uh, so would you just take a second and share a little bit about Reframe? Um, what is it? Why are you doing this? And yeah. um, why should people go check out your site and where can they find you? Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess like uh, to like make it make the most sense, I'll start with what we call real talk. So, Real Talk is a nonprofit that we started that focuses on our open forum conversation in public high schools. And uh, we've been doing that for years. We actually, it was originally a college ministry when we were in college. So I became a believer in college and got connected into Real Talk back in East Texas. And when we moved out to Phoenix, we started a nonprofit out in Phoenix called Real Talk. And we've been doing that uh, ever since. And so we just focus on having these in conversations with youth in schools, creating this space that's open and honest where they feel comfortable. Uh, like, I mean, 
just some of the things that we hear students say. I remember like one of my favorite stories to share. We were having a conversation about abortion and this young lady says, if I was to have a child or to get pregnant and have to raise that child in the same environment that I was raised in, then I would consider it a mercy to kill my child instead of raising it. And then she looked at looked at me and she said, I don't have anywhere else to say things like this. And I'm so grateful that you guys are here. And so we're trying to create space with those types of moments, those types of conversations. Yeah where students can really bring what's actually happening in their lives and what they're actually thinking about to the forefront of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then we can bring biblical perspective at the end of the conversation. So we spend most of our time listening and then we spend a little bit of time proclaiming or, uh, you know, sharing wisdom, so to speak. And so we just mm-hmm. found that we never had pushback. Students were always receptive. The majority of those spaces were like kids weren't believers. We even had non-believing uh, teachers go to bat for us with administration when they push back. Like, why are you trying to keep these guys off campus? They're having an incredible impact on our kids. They're feeding yeah. them. They're doing all these types of things. And so a lot of that, as I was like connecting with other youth pastors in the Valley, one of the things that was happening was they were saying, yo, you've got to like create content and resources that you can put in the hands of other youth workers. And so at first I was super resistant to that idea because mm-hmm. um, I just didn't want to do it. I just wanted to be on the ground doing my thing, being in schools. And so, like, we just kept getting pushed on it and eventually felt like that was a good idea. And Reframe was kind of just birthed in a moment, in an instant. And so what Reframe is, is kind of like a culmination of all those conversations, of all those real talks we've already written, of all those experiences we've had. And so what Mm -hmm. we're really trying to do is marry cultural relevance and biblical fidelity. Like, we don't feel like you have to compromise on either of those things. We feel like yeah. you can proclaim the gospel to young people and also like meet them right where they're at with very cultural, relative conversation, if I want if I would say it that way. Uh-huh. Um, and so like our content and resources are very much shaped around issues and culture that are happening right now that are a little bit can be raw and edgy and real at times, but really bring in the truth of the scriptures in context and having students think about that as much as they think about the cultural issue and presenting mm-hmm the scripture as like a real way uh, to look at the world, to look at their life, to look at themselves and make sense of everything around them. Right. And so I think for a long time, we we've kind of like presented the gospel in this very narrow way, like forgiveness of sin. And then not that it isn't those things, right. But like Jesus yeah, forgives yeah. you and you go to this place called heaven. But yeah. we want to present this like redemptive, robust story to young people, this worldview that can shape their whole life, make sense of it give them an identity and give them a way to live their life right now. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's basically in a nutshell what reframe is. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so you guys publish uh curriculum and mm-hmm. um, series and everything. So can you just share what, what are some of the, uh, some of the content that you guys are putting out there that you just, just want to highlight for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think one of the ones that I always look forward to every year, every May we drop a mental health series. Yeah. Um, you know, this year it's called Flourish. Last year it was called The Gospel According to Mental Health. And that's where I really try and bring these two worlds that I'm like in together, right? Like um, the things that I'm experiencing therapeutically in the room with adolescence. And then like how, in fact, like I have made sense of my therapeutic experiences with my Christian worldview and kind of like bringing those together and helping like bring actually tools and skills that kids can use and understand, but then also understand the larger story of like, yo, how God is present and how he's working in your life and how um, you can meet him even in the midst of some of your mental health challenges. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I'm really um, excited about this year. Another thing that I'm excited about this year as well is we're we're writing a series on Ecclesiastes, which I'm really excited oh, about, which will come out in the summer. Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And so like, you know, meaninglessness. It's yeah. like like I feel like Ecclesiastes is almost the perfect book <laughs> for Gen Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, seriously. Like it just it tells the story that they're telling themselves. And so yeah. it's like we can like present this to them, like, hey, actually the Bible's been talking about this for like a hot mm-hmm. minute. And uh mm-hmm. like you can go read this, like all the stuff that you're saying or all the stuff that you're thinking and feeling, like it's already here. Yeah. But like, there's actually like an answer. And God's not afraid of that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so uh, we're really excited to kind of like present that from the biblical Mm -hmm. narrative of like, yeah, money, career, status, relationships, all these things like, you know, as quickly as you get them, they can be taken away or you do something and then you lose it or whatever else. But like, and, and God sees all of this stuff. And yet, like, here's the purpose. Here's the meaning of life. Here's how you can enjoy it. Um, and so we're really excited about uh, putting that in front of youth workers as well to use. And then um, I'm trying to think if there's another one that I would say. One of the ones that I really enjoyed from last year that we created was called Story. And so that's just basically going over the gospel narrative, right, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, our goal with that was really to just try and create like a really wide overview of the biblical narrative, the narrative of scripture, if you will, and trying to, to help young people see themselves in that story because yeah. i ultimately think that part of the issue is that we're having is because postmodernism says there is no story create right. your own um young people feel that implicitly and explicitly and then they're trying to like figure out what their story is through the algorithm of social media yeah. and it's like this self-defeating thing that's happening yeah. um or they're getting swept up in cultural trends. And next thing you know, they believe all these things that they didn't believe 30 minutes ago because they've been immersed in a particular, uh, you know, algorithm direction. And so yeah. what we wanted to do is present the gospel as a way for them to understand the world and everything in it. And ultimately that like, yo, you need to follow Jesus. Like that is the answer. Yeah. And so, so yeah, those are a couple of things. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, um, you know, at Youth Pastor Theologian, we want to encourage youth workers to have um, theological conversations with, and not shy away from from that. Um, we're not saying, "Hey, get up front and uh, just open up your favorite systematic theology text and start reading." Right? Uh, but we want to we want to teach doctrine. Uh, we want to teach biblically, biblically, and theologically. Um, and I've heard some people, n- not recently, just in the past, and I- I'm not shading anyone or, or anything, um, but I've just, in general, heard some people say, yeah, well, you know, students have hard hearts, and I'm just going to preach the truth and go deep, and he who has ears, let him hear, and he yeah. who does not hear have ears, let him remain hardened. Mm-hmm. And um, I get that. You know, I I get where that's coming from, um, but we we need to be faithful shepherds, mm-hmm. and we want to be um, pastoral. And so when when we talk about meeting kids where they're at, uh, what does that really mean, and how do we approach that with with theological depth? Uh, with biblical conviction, so we're not just being, you know, soft and you know, hey, I'm just gonna like throw in 
a quick little Bible verse at the end and, hey, what do you think about this, right? Like, th- there's real depth and meat and value in carrying the fire of the gospel in your soul and meeting kids where they're at. So, uh, can you just share a little bit about your heart and experience in that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's just for us, what it has been is doing this like cultural homework, if you will, and asking ourselves, well, all right, I understand like those who are going to hear are going to hear, right? Like, yeah, we get it. And I'm not dismissing that, but at the same time, I'm not going to live on a plane that isn't mine to live on. That's God's plane. And that's what he's doing. That's not where I'm at. I'm here and I'm going to proclaim to as many people as I possibly can. And I'm going to proclaim to the best of my abilities, uh, using the tools and the skills that I have, right? Like I think about the book of Proverbs and the fact that it is men who observed the world, right? Mm-hmm. And made like general conclusions about it. And that's scripture. So like what we see is like men observed the world, uh, used their minds, made observations about it that are generally true. And we see that like is an inspired part of the text. And I think what that says is that there's, there's value to us like engaging the sciences, so to speak. There's value to us engaging the world in ways that make sense in the context of the world. And so that's what we're trying to do. And so when I look yeah. at Gen Z, I see a generation that um, is very uh, anti-establishment and anti-authoritarian. And so if we can establish uh, our youth communities to be actual communities where like there's this discovery of truth together. Now, like I don't have to be afraid of the discovery of truth because I know what the truth is. And I'm confident that if you put Jesus up against any other truth, Jesus is going to win. So I'm cool with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so what we can do is we can create this space where we can ask questions and be on this journey to discover truth together. And, And while we're doing that, Like my job in the midst of that is going to be to proclaim the truth for us to discuss, which is obviously the gospel and scriptures. And so what we found is that's just like the most fruitful way to approach it. When you create an environment where students can bring up what they think, bring up what they feel, even bring up their challenges towards the biblical text. And one of the cool things is like sometimes students will bring up challenges and then another student answers it. I don't even have to say anything. Like, they're like, yo, well, this mm-hmm. actually is how you should think about this. And here's how I've come to understand it, and blah, 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 so on and so forth. And that's like, great. I didn't even have to say anything. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you create that space as well, one of the things that I've really found that's helpful is you can be talking about a particular topic, put it out there, let students kind of express themselves concerning it. And what you'll find is they'll tell you where they're at. They'll yeah. tell you what's really going on. They'll tell you their... Um, barriers to believing this in a biblical way so now you actually get to specifically address the issues that they actually have instead of like hoping that you're addressing the issues if that makes sense mm-hmm. and so uh it's just that the the way that their world works and the way that they see things is very different from the way that we do and so i think if we can understand that a little bit and then proclaim the truth in a way that makes sense to them we're just going to have a we're going to do a better job of of like proclaiming that truth and them actually hearing it, listening to it, going away, thinking about it, and then coming back later. Uh, yeah. Like, case in point, uh, when I was a youth pastor a few years ago, uh, I had this girl in my youth group, and she at the time was, she identified as a transgender male, and at this point she was non-binary. She was said she identified as non-binary. So we're having a conversation, she's like, yo, it's hard to be LGBTQ and Christian. I'm like, oh, for real? 
tell me about that. Never thought about that. I mean, it's just not not a part of my world, you know? And she's like, well, you know, I'm a minority and a minority. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. I said, which one do you think is more important? She said, neither. They're both as important as each other. And I said, that's interesting. So I disagree with you. And I think because one is like a momentary act, and then the other one is like supposed to define all of who you are, like your whole identity, everything that you do and don't do. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I never thought about that. That's interesting. And uh, we just continued the conversation from there. She was like, well, ultimately, I just believe what I, what I do in the body doesn't matter as long as I believe in Jesus. And so I'm like, bingo. Right. Now we're here. Now we know what we need to address. And so I got to address like, no, that's actually not true. God very much cares about what we do in the body. It's laced all throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, like he gives us a body. Uh, we're our body. We're resurrected in bodies. Jesus came in a body. Jesus died in a body. Resurrected in the body. Sits at the right hand of the Father in a body. Will be judged for the deeds in the body. Will be given new bodies at the resurrection. Like the body is of great value to God, and what yeah. we do with it is of great significance. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And so, like, well, yeah. you know, how's how's like how is the way you're living now working out for you? I'm confused. Okay, cool. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't we try? putting our identity in Christ. Like, let's put the sexuality stuff to the side for right now. Like, let's just leave it where it is. What if you try putting your identity in Jesus and then we'll figure this out later. Mm -hmm. Six months later, Hey, I recognize that this wasn't the way I needed to live my life. I need to follow Jesus. This is who God made me to be. I'm so much more than my sexual identity. Um, got baptized, plugged in, bringing people to church. And so it took a conversation. Uh, and like in that conversation, I just presented truth, asked questions, gave answers, and then left space for them to go yeah. away and make a decision because ultimately that's yeah. what they got to do. And so I think if we can approach things a little bit more like that, I think we're going to have way more success with this generation. Yeah. So here's one of the things I love about that approach is the, um, the, the sense of welcome, right? Of inviting uh, students to just share who they are and to just be honest. And when we, when students know that the person they're talking with will actually listen, it's really surprising what they'll say. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and I think it's also significant that you kept the gospel central and not the concerning worldview central. Um, and when we, when we just hold out the gospel and really focus on calling kids to Christ, it's, um, it shouldn't be surprising, but it's surprising how other things pull into alignment with Christ mm-hmm. when we just lead them to him. Absolutely. Instead of focusing on culture warring or mm-hmm. calling kids, maybe even calling kids to repentance over over certain things, and I, I want to be careful about that. So, Absolutely, yeah, uh, sure. Don't don't take that the wrong way of you know whatever, but um, just calling kids to Christ and letting the gospel do its work of justification and sanctification, and um, yeah, I think that's really significant. Yeah, I think one of the things that has really helped me when I think about like some of these cultural conversations that we're having right now, particularly sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. With Gen Z, I think it is more of an invitation to get to know them 
Like, yeah. so it seems like they keep distinguishing themselves through this issue. It almost becomes like, uh, the calling card to define themselves, so to speak. You yeah. know, like our, my generation millennials, we didn't really like labels that much. Like Gen yeah. Z seems to love labels. And I think it's the way that they kind of like, like, cause you think about it, they live in a social media world, right? And you go on your profile yeah. and you define yourselves on your profile really quickly based on the characters that you have and the yeah. few words that you can say about yourself. And so it seems yeah. like that's what they're kind of doing, but it's really an invitation to know them. Yeah. Cause like you can't just like put them in a box cause that's not what they want you to do. And so like then this work, there's this work that we have to do as an individual to like understand why their story is this way, why they've come to this conclusion, what shaped them in that particular way. And then, because what I think happens is when we just like, like you said, like it's this, well, you've just got to repent because blah, 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 so on and so forth. Once again, they don't actually feel known. They feel mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, pushed away. Uh, and then in a response, they just say, well, forget you then. I'm not coming back. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think we got to see is this invitation to get to know them, to hear their story. And like a lot of times too, when kids actually like say this stuff out loud, they realize like, oh, I actually don't even believe that. It's just that they've never had the space to like actually share their thoughts. Sometimes you need <laughs> to hear your thoughts yourself to realize, yeah. yo, that was kind of stupid. You know what well, I'm saying? I mean, like, how many times have you and I done that? I mean, I've done that so many times. It's like, oh, like once I say it out loud, I realize how stupid that is. Yeah. And that's just part of the process of learning <laughs> and growing and maturing, right? Yeah. And I think we forget that too. Like they're teenagers. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, I mean, the date is clear. What is it? Like eight out of 10 who like say they're of a different sexual orientation yeah. return to their sexual yeah. original orientation once they're like 20 or something like that. Yeah. And so it's like, I think even with this, may perhaps we're panicking about it a little bit more yeah. than we should be. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, well, and especially in a Christian space, um, I wonder how many conversations we host in youth group where we give students a, a chance to be honest, and then they say some really concerning things, and we get all worked up about it, and it might literally be the first safe space they've ever experienced for them to be able to say things out loud. Mm-hmm. So. Like they're just practicing how to talk about what they don't really have an opinion about yet. And they would even say, yeah, I don't really know how to say what I think. And I don't really know what I think yet. And so let's just be patient with them. Um, and, And so that's not to say don't take those conversations seriously and don't take what they say seriously. We should take those seriously. Um, But let's not, you know, take everything that every kid says as if it is a fully formed opinion. Um, it's more of it's their opinion in that moment. Absolutely. And let let's address conversations. And it literally that can way. change that day yeah. or yeah. after that sentence. Yeah. Or after they eat a slice of pizza and now they're not Seriously. hungry anymore. Seriously. <laughs> you know. Seriously. Honestly. So uh all right. So question for you. So um, what, whether you're working on a, a new curriculum for reframe, or if you're uh, meeting with a student as you know as their their counselor and therapist, and um, there's some you know stuff that's coming coming to the surface that that needs to be addressed. Um, how do you how do you as a a, a Christian youth minister right a, approach 
approach those conversations, um, whether it's just sexuality or, or mental health or just uh, loneliness or depression or parental conflict or whatever, um, how do we how do we listen well and lead them into a biblical worldview? Like that, I'm I'm interested in that worldview formation aspect that that we agree is is so important. Um, you just kind of riff on that a little bit. Yeah, I think there's like a number of things that, that have to happen. And some of this is like therapeutic for me in terms of like how I approach relationship building with a young person in order to be able to communicate the things that need to be communicated or ask the questions that need to be asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, I think a lot of times, and like, so this is me, the therapist talking. A lot of times when people want to have conversations about things, they start with the issue and it's not actually like about the issue so much as it is how they feel about the issue. And that's actually what's driving. And the reason for that is like, we're all postmodern, whether we want to be or not. And so we think about ourselves a lot and we think about what's going on internally in us a lot. Now that has a major effect on how we feel in the context of conversations. So what I always want people to do is to be able to locate themselves in relationship to each other and communicate how they feel. Because if that can happen, connection can happen. And once connection happens, trust can happen, right? And so, like, the things that you actually now communicate that are, like, more uh, logical and about facts or reason, it becomes easier to trust the other person that's communicating those things to you. And you take those things more seriously because emotionally you feel like you can be vulnerable with this person. And so I feel like what we actually need to focus on a little bit more in the context of our youth ministries is, like, like creating spaces where students can be vulnerable, where they can build trust with you. And what that actually requires of us is to actually be vulnerable with students at times and to share things that perhaps might make us a little bit uncomfortable. Because once again, they actually don't care about positions of authority. They don't care that you're a pastor, right? They don't see that Mm -hmm. as anything like to be like, oh, I've got to revere him because he's a pastor. They actually kind of just see you as almost an equal, just to be honest. That's, Mm -hmm. That's just how they like think about the world. And so when you lead with vulnerability, they'll respond with it. And then you build this trust where like when you start to have these more logical conversations, the emotional connections are already there. So now they take the things that you have to say more seriously, if that makes sense. Um, And so then it just becomes a matter of like, is this student actually ready to hear what I have to say or not? Because there's times where like they're not ready to hear what you have to say. And so I just got to be patient and wait. Because if I say it too soon, I'm going to cash my relational equity chips too soon and they're not actually going to respond or really take away what I say and think about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm always trying to be conscious of that as well. And then one of the things that I learned coaching, because I do a lot of coaching, is there's this concept called guided discovery. And the mm-hmm. idea is when you're coaching an athlete, a lot of times they can they actually know what they're doing wrong in the context of the sport. And so more it's more about asking them questions that lead them to answer the yeah. way that you know they know how to answer. And so oftentimes I'll just ask questions in a particular way that will lead to in the direction that we actually want to go in. And so mm-hmm. or will force them to be honest with themselves, if that makes sense. Um, and sometimes students don't want to be honest. So I'll just have them acknowledge that they don't want to be honest, which is almost is always really difficult for them to do as well. 
Because it's one thing when you know <laughs> students like intentionally like not answering the question the no, the way that they know the question is supposed to be answered. So I'll just be like, hey, like it seems like you are dead set. I'm not giving the answer that we all know is the answer. So why don't you just admit that you're just committed to not giving the answer, and then we can move on, right? Because now once again they have to proclaim their own folly, so to speak, if yeah. that makes sense. It does, and, and not in a way that's like. Uh, trying to embarrass them or any of those types of things. But it's just like, hey, like this is the space we're in. We're being open. We're being honest. This is just something you're resisting. And that's cool. But let's just say that's what you're doing and then move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, those are some of the tactics that I use in the context of conversation to like actually move in the direction that we need to move in. Um, and then obviously once students are open, you know, when it comes to anxiety, depression, and those types of things. We'll talk through tools and skills that are necessary to help with some of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think we can help with some of those things in the context of our youth ministry spaces. Like like you said, right? Like kids come in and they're hungry. Like, you know, like giving a kid a slice of pizza can dramatically change their disposition towards the space. Yeah, um, like that Snickers commercial is kind of spot on sometimes. Seriously, <laughs> absolutely. So in, in, in therapy, we call it the window of tolerance, right? And so yeah. like everybody has a window where they're rational, reasonable, yeah. uh, of sound mind and those types of things. And there's the hyper version, which is the anxiety piece where you're jittery, you know, bouncing around, running around, uh, acting kind of crazy, talking really fast, right? That a kid might just be outside of their window for whatever reason. They got a test yeah. coming up. There's stuff going on at home. Yeah. They're just, they've got anxiety in general. If we stay here for too long, we bottom out. And we go to hypo, which is depression, right? So yep. uh, hopelessness, numbness, um, tired, sleepy. So like when you see kids who come in sometimes and they immediately go fall asleep on the couch, that actually might mm-hmm. be an indicator that like there's some stuff going on. They didn't get enough sleep last night or yeah. they're stressing out about something or like yep. they're feeling really sad and down yeah. because like they've been anxious about something for a couple of weeks. And it's mm-hmm. like something you can actually engage um, because that's where like self-harm suicidal ideation that kind of happens in that space if that makes sense and so like if we're if we've got food if we've got places where students can come in a little bit before and just slow down if we're thinking about the speed of our youth ministries like if we're moving as fast as everybody else is then we're just like amplifying the anxiety that is our world so can we move a little bit slower can we create space for students to like be present in their bodies be present with the people around them be present with god and with the word like half of them can't do it because they're just like all over the place. Well, I, I, I'd also add, um, if you have a kid who you know is is really stressed and um, anxious and, and everything, and um, they come and, like you said, they come and they crash on the couch or whatever, in some ways that, that might be an indicator too that youth group is a safe space for them. Correct. That they can finally let their guard Relax. down. And so where you feel like they're coming and they're checking out, and they don't even like to be here. It might actually mean that that you're a safe space, and they can finally just like, <sighs> yep. So you, you just want to be aware of of these things, and um, and that's the yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. If we get too caught up in what it is we're trying to accomplish, right, yeah. and not what is happening in the individual's life, yeah. and like yes. observing that, and then saying, okay, you know, like, hey, what do you need? You're, you're looking tired today. Is there anything I can help with? What's going yeah. on? You know what I mean? And like, they yeah. might share with you. They might not. Do you yeah. need me to get you something? Do you need me to get you some food? Whatever else. And then just yeah. creating space for those types of things to happen if they need to happen, right? And 
Mm-hmm. Um, once again, that's getting to know your students for who they are, right? Yeah. And once you do that, some of that stuff yeah. makes more sense. All right. I got, um, time is running short. So, um, I have one last question that, that I want to ask you, but, uh, we got to keep it tight. So, but I think you have a really good, um, view on this. So, um, a a number of years ago, I read this article about Teflon Christians and cave dwellers, and that verbiage has always been helpful for me since then. And so it was saying that Teflon Christians are people who walk through culture as if they, the culture will never affect them. They're Christians who who just feel like I can do whatever, I could watch whatever, and it's never gonna mess with me. And cave dwellers are those who are just so on edge, anti-culture, um, that they just like live in the cave. Um, so how would you encourage youth workers to avoid both of those extremes as we meet kids where they're at? I think it comes down to like what you're doing it for the sake of, right? And so for me, when I think about like, obviously I'm the person who engages culture. Why am I engaging culture? Am I engaging culture for my own entertainment? Not necessarily. I'm engaging culture for the sake of the gospel. And so that I can understand where these kids are at, what's going on in their life, why they view the world the way that they do, so that I can best proclaim the gospel to them in a way that makes sense to them. And that's what it's about. It's about yeah. like me understanding that so I can like present Jesus to them in the way that most makes sense to them in the hope that they will respond in faith. And that's it. And so I'll go on YouTube, I'll watch this, I'll watch that. And obviously within reason, right? Go, I'll go as far as I'm able to go. And I'll go as far as like, I feel like, okay, I'm not doing something that like is dishonoring to God, right? Um, but once again, what am I doing it for? For the sake mm-hmm. of the gospel. Yeah, that's good. Um, so as we, as we wrap up our conversation together, are there any uh, certain resources that you uh, have found really helpful for you um, as um, a, a youth worker, as a, as a therapist, uh, that you would want to point our listeners to? And could you share to um, just where can people learn more about Reframe and how can people connect with you maybe on social media? For sure. Um, I know I've hopped on this before, Rise and Triumph for the Modern Self by uh, Carl Truman. I found that really helpful mm-hmm. in terms of like just doing my culture and analysis. I mean, obviously there's Charles Taylor, Secular Age, there's another psychological book, which I can't remember off the top of my head. I read it in school. That's been really helpful in terms of just thinking about worldview issues. And there's, there's constantly books coming up. And I know that you're putting a bunch out and we kind of put some out too. But yeah, if guys are interested or girls are interested in grabbing content and resources for their uh, youth ministries, uh, reframeyouth.com is where you can go. Um, and you can check out our website and check out what we have available. We've got a decent sized catalog at this point. Uh, we're trying to make it as affordable as possible and also like do different ways of disseminating content. We have something called Reframe Weekly where we drop a piece of content in our in a library every week that's different. So because we know that youth workers are in different spaces and places and doing different things. Yeah. And so we want to present content. It's really good for like one off messages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a yeah. variety of different ways to just yep. help you wherever you find yourself. Yeah. And so, yeah. Awesome. Jordan, thank you so much um, for your ministry and for your friendship. And um, we'll definitely be talking more. And, and listeners, thanks for listening in. Uh, go check out Jordan and, and Reframe. They have some really uh, great content and more coming out. So 
uh, for sure. go and give them a follow. Appreciate so it. thanks for listening in. Uh, don't forget uh, to check out our free ebook. Uh, the Youth Pastor Theologian book is called uh, Youth Ministry is Theological Ministry, an invitation to youth pastor theologians. It takes 10 articles from our catalog on the website and puts them into one ebook to help you uh, kind of just catch up and get a good view of what is Youth Pastor Theologian all about. So it's written by six different authors uh, across America and in the UK and in Mexico as well. And so really excited to have that out there. It's a free download when you subscribe on the website. Go check that out. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.